The Dernion is a high fantasy world illuminated by exciting stories. Master Mysterian, I believe we will succeed in our search for Joram. When he gets here, began Sid, the red-haired youth standing before Griffram's desk. I'll speak to his will, his mind, said Mandius. She spoke quietly, one of those people whom others quieted down in order to hear. I disagree with your robust readiness to turn to speech. We're talking about one of our own here. Rather than trying to control his mind, or even cajole him with threats, we owe it to the one to convince him with reason. Explain why we need to find Kylon, said Sidnaristron. He wore the uniform trocane, the toga-like robe, the white of the civic Mysterians. The civics were those few Mysterians who did not fight. Sid had made great improvements in his six months of proctorship. He spoke more volubly and with calm conciseness. At times, Griffram imagined that Sid emanated authority to the students he oversaw. Dour and subtle as Mandius sometimes was, she laughed at the boy, interrupting Griffram's stating support for Sid's suggestion. Mandius, silver-haired, wore a robe so dark in its purple that it was nearly black, with bright blue hems and edges. Griffram thought the pair of large, bright blue lightning bolts, one on each side of her chest, rather gaudy. Then again, even gaudier were the robes of the Monacon Hayaton to which Griffram himself was so apparently devoted, and whose light he stood in every Sunday morning. Mandius's laughter got to Sid, Griffram could see. Magic it would be if she were master of the Red Keep. She would always invade a mind, be it the mind of an enemy or an underling, if her power were not checked by Griffram's own. That power would also be checked by Sid's sense of honor, his apparent sympathy for fellow students, except that Sid was beneath her in rank. Sid had courage and tenacity, but something in the kid's expression faltered. His shoulders sunk. The exchange caused Griffram's justice to stab at his throat from his heart. Nearly bashing aside the stoic and silent guard, Griffram wore at all public times and all public utterances. Griffram's laconic stoicism was a battle-time habit. In an unbelievable number of conflicts, the one killed is whoever speaks first, as reliably in oral debates as in bloody mortal collisions. When darn creatures do clash, be they elves of converged blood or slavering, barely linguistic trolls from the heart of the evil east, the one who first wagers a word is often who loses all. Only a rule of thumb, but one that served Griffram well, all things being equal. Himself he kept quiet, but the trio's course was determined right then. His true morals could not abide Mandius's kind of magic. The stakes were not high enough to violate the privacy of this Joram when the sub-proctors found him. Within minutes, the agents of the search knocked. Joram swaggered in, hair big and bouncy, not only not wearing the red trocane required by Protos and Frescos alike, but shirt untucked over pants of buskin leather. Within one minute the matter was settled. Mandius departed first, before she went standing before Griffram's desk, lips seizing wordlessly, a kind of rage-induced paralysis of the tongue. It should have made Griffram tremble, she being a master of the speech. But Griffram stayed too near his own mortality to piss his pants, or his trocane, at her dramatics. The profligate Ephebe next left, downtrodden, Joram had received mild punishment rather than a bribe, which Griffram saw as a compromise. Joram would do cleaning duty in the southern partition for the next three weekends. He might not realize how much better cleaning duty was than to have the pages of his mind riffled. 
That was a hard experience, and Griffram was pretty sure they would have found countless petty validations of Mandius' suspicion that he was aroused about. They were successful, for now Griffram knew where to find Kylon. Sid had nothing more to say, and Griffram judged it aright that he didn't gloat, that he further didn't bear the least smugness. In a room that was situated in one of the Protos quads, Kylon listened ear to door for any foot traffic out there. He could always tell if someone was shuffling around, anyone who would see him leave. He just needed to get out without being seen. He must grab his swords and get to the battle yard before he was late. With the coast clear, or so he thought, he stepped into the hallway. Hello, Kylon, Old Gravel and Phlegm said, nearly startling him out of his wits. For that instant, the hallway seemed empty. It was as if Griffram spoke from nowhere. I believe the room you're leaving belongs to Nami Lawrence, one of the few red Mysterians whom you aren't allowed to sleep with. Are the other 500 so unattractive? Griffram went on. Kylon was flabbergasted to be caught. His brain laid hold of the first truism it came across. The best defense for the deep-minded warrior may be a good offense, said the truism. I've been looking for you, too, he said to the Master Mysterian, raising an accusatory finger. He had finally spotted Griffram. Weirdly, he sat at the far end of the corridor, on one of the ageless stone benches there. Seeking each other, we're well met. Let us begin our impromptu meeting. But I insist that you air your issue first, Mysterian. I'm damned upset about the shield, said Kylon, but was cut off. What's that, boy? Said Griffram, interrupting Kylon. Suddenly, he'd dropped his voice. There was a point behind that. As Griffram spoke at the very threshold of audibility, his point was that they were shouting across the length of the quad, and it certainly would not be Griffram who traversed the distance between them to close the gap. As Kylon strode down to Griffram's location, given the gift of time to consider his complaint, he was not unnerved, not at all. Offensive defense, Kylon repeated to himself. I noticed that Nilvrit used war shields instead of bucklers in my last match against them, said Kylon once they were near. First, you said you were upset, didn't you? Are you now downgrading to, I noticed, said Griffram. Upset, thanks, said Kylon. Someone used war shields in a match and you're upset. This happened in a battle yard match, asked Griffram. You were there, in the yard, said Kylon. I don't think I was, said Griffram. I've been meeting with Mandius and running late all week. You couldn't have seen me at a match. Not at the start, anyway. I saw you later when... Kylon said, trailing off. He had been about to say, when I was rushing you, referring to the moment in which he'd purposefully scared Griffram, though of course he had done so in a fun-loving way. However, Kylon stopped short of reminding Griffram of his little prank. Once again, the young warrior was left with that you've-been-had feeling into which Griffram so often seemed to maneuver him. And in this supposed battle yard brawl, exactly who did you say bore shield against you? Said Griffram. Nilverit said Kylon. I don't know any Nilverit. Or is that some loving cognomen applied among classmates? Said Griffram. I mean Nilram and Everett, said Kylon. Of course, cute, cute. Is Nilverit what everyone calls them or just you? Just about everyone, said Kylon. Griffram laughed heartily. He repeated Kylon's reply, 
just about everyone. I'm starting to recall this match. It's taking vague and ominous shape in my mind, Kylon. But tell me, how did this nickname of theirs come about? Said Griffrom. <laughs> Nicknames, you know, they let bubble up. Some stick, others don't, said Kylon. Griffrom laughed. They bubble up, yes. <laughs> it was a challenge, wasn't it, your little fight? I wonder why they challenged you. Daunting limbs against the rules. You wouldn't have done that. And anyway, bragging, swaggering, that sort of thing is beneath us. You know well the sight of the stern and faceless right guards always at the king's side on proclamation days or in any parade or royal appearance. Every child grows up with that mental image, said Kylon. Sternness. Beyond sternness, because we're faceless, red and without visage and without remorse, the eyeless masks of real red steel. We're without even the potential for remorse. Should we need to kill to defend the king or Androvna? Well said, said Kylon. We must be above petty little rivalries, said Griffram. I get it. I'm just saying the shields were a harsh lesson. The timing of it, Master Mysterion, I had two opponents. I gave them special dispensation to use the shields to give them an additional advantage. Yeah, I got that. Put that childish, unwarrior-like behavior behind you. Should we get on to my part of this conversation? Wonderful, said Griffram. Now he stood and paced with his hands behind his back the considerate prof, discursively pondering the truth. As for my side of things, I have a question to preface it. Do you know how many students in the past 50 years have been subjected to the lash more than once? I'm loving this conversation so far, said Kylon. Griffram cocked an eyebrow. My guess is, I don't know, 20? None. <laughs> I know the answer can't be none said Kylon, who couldn't help but smirk a little. You refer to yourself because you have been lashed four times. I promise, Master Mysterion, not to warrant that kind of punishment ever again. Actually, I'm relieved to hear you at least remember the experience because you seem not to learn anything at all from them. Griffram sat down again, seeming tired. Kylon thought it could have been more of his posturing, but it also could have been actual. I nearly kill myself trying to do right by the one. But am I being too tough? To subject you to that kind of pain, I hate it. It's a whole terrible thing. The march over there, standing among the prisoners. But don't be too hard on yourself. I understand we're lodged within a system, you know? At this, Griffram looked really thoughtful, as if Kylon had said the first slightly unpredictable or interesting thing he'd said since the start of their talk. Sid seems to think you're just incorrigible, like it's that simple. He's not a bad guy, but he doesn't know me. But that's one school of thought that you can't be taught. On the other hand, maybe you just forget. The fucking one and the good I forget. I remember that leather cutting my back, believe me. That Greeboltz guy's forearms. I remember those. So it would seem. But I don't know if you do. You can recite the punishment, but something in you forgets. 
No one would subject himself to that. It doesn't work. If Sid's got a stake in this, if it's a grudge or something, I'll apologize about the whole orc mask incident, said Kylon. If I knew it would work, corporal punishment, as much as it pains me. As much as it pains you, said Kylon. I'd lash you to the bone. I'd lash you all the way, boy. If it could save you from getting your ass killed on the battlefield, due to lack of discipline, I'd do it. So you're not going to whip me? I'll probably never see you whipped again, boy. I just can't if I think there might not be a point. If it doesn't matter at all, I can't torture a soul, let alone someone. Griffram let himself trail off. He had probably been going to say, Let alone someone who is one of my own Mysterians. Kylon knew Griffram to harbor him, Kylon least dear among his students. But still, Kylon did believe he held all his students near to his heart. But we have a different kind of punishment lined up for you. Kylon was riding a wave of relief, and one that even the idea of some new punishment didn't disrupt. As he considered being free of the looming lash, forever free? He was better able to feel the deep pain of the memory of the lash. Whatever Griffram's worst punishment was, he seemed to be eschewing physical torture altogether. Kylon's heart was beginning to rejoice at that notion. But what Griffram said next sent him reeling into darkness. We're going to take away all your time outside the Red Fortress. For the remaining year, any infraction by Kylon Misneros will result in his losing all weekend privileges. No. 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 Kylon shouted. The lash isn't that bad, Griffram. It doesn't hurt as badly as it used to. I'll be all right. Kylon, Kalikitregos Misneros, should you ever break an Aulikos rule again, you shall forever dwell inside the walls of the Red Fortress, never to repair for the sake of vim or complacency. Unto the surrounding city streets, 